Greetings, everyone. Greetings. You are at the Stargate Roundtable. A night at the Roundtable. A night at the Roundtable, borrowed from our previous anchor being, sorry. So we're coming to you live from BBS Radio, Station 2, bbsradio.com, Station 2. We are your you we are your hosts today in lieu of others on their way to see Santa tonight. Yes. So um before we continue, we will pass this talking stick to our brother Cryon. And uh he's gonna be the meditation for tonight. So let's do that first. Okay. You got you know what you're doing, right, Rama? Yeah. Okay, here we go, everybody. This is about 15 minutes. Greetings, dear ones. I'm crying of magnetic service. You are all known to me. And as I say the words, you interpret the word me. To have a figure with a face be some kind of an angelic energy perhaps and you'd be right except that no one has ever defined angelic energy and if they did and if we did it is the soup of God if you could see God you would be seeing every piece of matter that exists If you could see God, you would see the energy of love permeating every single space in the universe. If you could see God, it wouldn't be singular, dear ones. You can't count the pieces of soup, dear ones. Even at the basic level of soup, even at the atomic level, You'll find it's filled with space. And that's love. So how can I come to you in the best way possible and speak? And the answer is, I become cryon. I become a figure of an angel. I become paintable to the artists, composable to the musicians. I become as singular as I can. So you are late. But I am from that, which is the great central sun. And that is the expression. But the sun is the metaphor of life for you. For all things emanate from there. Metaphor of God from the center. You'll find everywhere. It's the center of creation of thought, of love, and it is great. And therefore, I am the essence of what you would call creation. And so are you. And the difference between us, dear ones, is that right now I am looking at family who is in corporeal bodies. And most of you is not here. It's with me on the other side of the veil. 
We've explained that before. Your core soul energy splits when you are born and comes back together when you ascend. Therefore, human being, you are in several places at the same time. But while you are here, there are always questions and puzzlements. And the 3D portions of your mind want to work it all out. Who is talking? How does it work? What does it mean? So right now, I'm going to ask you, old soul, to set aside the three-dimensional parts of you as best you can and acknowledge what is here and what is happening. 23 years ago, I came into my partner's life to talk about right now. This is the last organized, scheduled, and structured channel of the year. Tomorrow, there will be channeling, but it's different. This is the last one that will be recorded and transcribed of the year in this fashion. In this fashion. And so I want to give the message called the last 18 years. But I have to start with you. I'm talking about the ones in here with me now. The energy that you create during this message will help those listening and reading later. What do you think of that statement? And if you say, cry, well, cry, how does that work? In a timeless energy called quantum, it means that anyone listening to this message, no matter when on earth, is listening to it with you in the room. And if, human being, you are quantum in any fashion or form, it means you are part of the energy. Anyone reading these words in a time after this is transcribed will be reading and feeling the energy of those in the room. That's quantum. How do you understand this? How do I explain this? And the answer is I cannot. But some of you in the room are always so ready to say, I don't care. And those are the ones that set the standard. For you understand and realize that the energy is the energy. And that family, you are part of this. Last 18 years. 1987 is really the preparation to the procession of the equinoxes. This is partially a review and a wrap-up. Not of the year, but of everything. 1987, there was an event that was described as the harmonic convergence. It set the stage 
for illumination of the planet. Illumination of the energy that is quantum and truthful about who you are. If you take it next to another 11, you have the symbol of the harmonic convergence. It is the 1111. And it was before what you would call the 36-year window of the precession of the equinoxes that would cause what has also been known as the alignment. Now, this alignment is the end of the long count of the Mayan calendar. And it's astronomy. And the astronomers and the ancients knew it as the result of the wobble of the earth, creating the fact that the sky was always a little different every single night. And even the ancients were able to do the math and realized that it was a 26,000-year alignment. And the alignment starts and stops with the same attribute. When you can look at the center of the galaxy and the sun lines up with it perfectly, this is the start and end point of the wobble. It became known as the precession of the equinoxes. If you look at the sky, and as an astronomer, you want to see where it starts and ends the last 36 years, it presents itself through the edge of the galaxy called the dark rift, which is what you call the Milky Way when you look up, look up in the sky. As it precesses through that edge, it takes 36 years. 18 years ago, it began. And now you've reached this part, which is the middle, the solstice, is the day where you celebrate it. And then there's 18 years more. Well, it precesses out of that stripe in the sky. And that 36-year window is special. The Mayans saw that. And everything that you have learned about the Mayan calendar falls short of this. They saw the 36 years. And it's so profound that many have seen what they said and said it is the end of time. And it isn't. Why would they say that? Why would it show in such an esoteric calendar that they put together, which even showed the cycles of influence on fractal time? But it looks like the end. Why would it look so, so barren to those who would look at it in 3D? And the answer is this. So when you get out your new calendar and you paste it on the wall and it says 2013, you're looking at it in 3D. If you could see the colors around it, it's the beginning of time. I'm going to default to something very 3D right now. 
favorite tune of my partner. And he knows what it is. It's called, It's Time to Say Goodbye. A beautiful ballad sung by a man and a woman about the love they have for one another. Lyrics, it's time to say goodbye. And the first time you hear it, you're struck with what? Why would they be saying goodbye? Why would these two who love each other so much ever say goodbye? And it's such a sad song. Until you look at the intent of the composer, until you find out what was meant by the tune, and then you find it. But the composer will tell you, ah, it's time to say goodbye, not to one another, but to being alone. And your heart resounds with love. For it's a song about unification, of being together for the rest of your life with one you adore. That's very different, isn't it? And so in 3D, you read the energy of the Mayan calendar and you say it's the end of all things. And you read doom and you close the door and you expect bad things. And part of humanity right now is preparing for the end. But you didn't get it. (laughs) Here's how it goes. Should you make it to this place, and there was a time when that was questionable, should you make it to this place, and you have, it's time to say goodbye to everything you think is the way things work. There's a unification coming of humanity, of hearts. And it may take generations, dear ones, but you got 18 years to plant the seeds. And that was my message last time. (laughs) 1987 was before the 18 years. 1994 is when it began. Between 1987 and 1994, I came to see my partner in 89. It took him those years to settle. He calls it the honeymoon period of crime. I call it grueling. (laughs) He's a stubborn man. When I finally convinced him that it was all right to love me, the real information began. You can see the difference between the first book, written in 93, the second one written in 94, the first one was cryptic. Oh, it told the story. But in 94, he was in love with God. And then things began to happen. But in that period, something else had started. You started to see things around you change. Those who were here know of what I speak. Geopolitical systems of the planet turned around. You started to see the fall of the Soviet Union. 
who was the nemesis of the United States, and the two of them would have brought you to a conclusion of nuclear war by the millennium. They almost did it, the 60s. <laughs> and it all went away. The prophecies of Revelation had you at war. The prophecies of Nostradamus had you at war. And it didn't happen. What happened, dear ones, when the prophecies of old fall on the floor in front of you? Because it isn't real anymore. What happens? And I'll tell you, you got to rewrite it. And that's what you're doing now. I came in to see my partner in 89, and I told him that consciousness on the planet would begin to shift. By 1994, the precession of the equinoxes had started. The indigenous of the planet felt it coming. For over a thousand years, they had predicted it as a decision point of humanity. And the Mayan calendar end count was the place where it may occur. And it is. And these are the things we speak of. We are all servants of peace, everyone. Peace and love in this season to everyone. We are going to play Craig Campambasso for the second hour. Uh, we played him from, uh, he had, we had him on the show on 11-11, November 11. And yet we wanted to touch base with you. Yes, many people are deciding to travel, but a great deal of us are staying home. And I just wanted to say our brother, Randy Miller, energy healer and delightful co-creator of this roundtable tonight. Uh, he's with us and our sister, Penny, and our brother, my son, Micah, are here as well. And all three of these ones have some things to share with us tonight. And we'll do a little bit of that. And I um, think maybe I will pass the talking stick to our brother, Randy, to start the ball rolling. What do you think, Randy? Greetings. Okay. What we're going to listen to, can you all hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, just a second. I'm going to do a test here. Can you hear this? Did you hear that? No. Oh, boy. Oh, why? I didn't know what I was supposed to be listening to. I am trying to play share sound. Okay, let's try this again. Did you hear that? I heard a, vo a deeper voice, a little tiny Okay, good. Bit. Good. Okay. What my energy report is going to be is the first 15 minutes of last night's cash meeting. So I'm going to crank the volume up a little bit. And rather than try to summarize it, let's, let's just listen to what Mr. Kesh has to say of what happened in the last few days. Here we go. Okay. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 412th Knowledge Seekers Workshop here on Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. This is a broadcast of the Keshe Foundation Spaceship Institute and uh, Education Department and part of the public teachings in English. And my name is Rick Crammond. I'll be a host today. And as usual in these weekly Knowledge Seekers workshops, we have Mr. Mayran Kesh of the Kesh Foundation to present today's uh, teaching and uh, knowledge. Hello, Mr. Kesh. Are you ready to start today's teaching? Yes. Good morning. Good day to you. As usual, wherever and whenever you listen to this series of knowledge, series of Kish Foundation Spaceship Institute, that we enter understanding of the totality. This week, we have a number of celebrations to celebrate. First, on Tuesday, the birthday of Mitra, where all the religions then change names and try to work around it, but in essence, branches of the branches, but the totality stays Mitra. It's in a way the light of the creator, the light of the soul of the creator. Is not uh, to be arrogant, but is to understand and to be respectful of the truth and the way the things are set with us. And we celebrate in the next couple of days, and then what we call Christmas and the birthday of Christ. In a way, replication of the same with a few day difference that it doesn't fall on the same date, that there is a confusion and replication. Once you read about Mitra on Tuesday, and then you read about Christ on Saturday, you see it's the same story. You see replication. You see confirmation of existence. In a week, as I said, in the one planet, one nation, one race on Tuesday, as we stay totally out of the programs of the Universal Council as they are independent, and we do not interfere, but just to be there to explain the purpose of what or to understanding of what we call the birthday of Mitra. It's the birth of the soul of the man of the understanding. Is the end of a darkest time on the human life cycle where man was just an animal, behaved like the others. And through understanding of the creator, he was taken out of the long nights of darkness in knowledge and understanding. Then we went through another cycle of darkness for we understood about there is a creator. We start worshiping in different ways and names, now all promised the promised day, when the Messiah comes, when the Mehdi comes, when everything else comes and this planet and the evolved will be what we call part of honey. But in fact, this long term from the manifestation of Mitra to last Tuesday, which is the return of Mitra. That's why we celebrated it. That's why this year was significant. And we'll see the change in the cycle of man. The promised one, the promised day has arrived. And we were waiting for it in a way. 
for the soul of the man to mature that the thousands of years waiting in the darkness has come to an end. It's the beginning, it's a new cycle, understanding the soul of the man. You understood there is a creator. Now, the man will be taught that the creator is within him, within the soul of the man. Many of you expected manifestation of physicality that has to be understood is partially you. You are manifested in the dimension of the love of the Creator. It's you who has to understand the change. In a way, what we call it, the promised day, or whatever, has completed its cycle. It's for man to be enlightened. It's for man to understand the change. And with it, in this cycle, man will enter universal community because it's part of the life of the universal community. Mitra came from the universe. And in the dimension of the light, even when we look at Mitra in the carvings and whatever, we always see her as a light. We always see him as a light. In different cultures and ways, mankind has taken different ways of confirming the existence of the higher order, stronger than man can be protected by, of the light, of what it comes from the essence of the creation. In a coming time, as we start teaching institutes and other dimensions mm-hmm. of the what we call Keshe Foundation, KFSSI, we'll go into the deeper, not into theology, but to bring the reality psychosomatic of the life together. Psycho to be the theology, somatic will be the man in a physical dimension that he creates crafts or whatever he decides to travel in. We take man out of the life of a schizophrenic, that there's two lives, one physicality and one the soul, where the two work together. Where we take the position of the brain out as an interfering side, and we bring it to the point that they can communicate direct, to understand and interact. <laughs> in totality, man will realize, unless he creates continuous condition of the planet Earth in anywhere in the universe, he will have that dimension of the brain to have the emotion of physicality. But man will learn in the coming time that he can live without the dimension of physicality of the brain of the man to have a direct emotion between the physicality, the soul of physicality and the soul of the man. The brain of the man is made of carbon, hydrogen and simple elements and in the depth of a space will dissolve in the depth of a space will not exist on the planets or in the position in the universe where hydrogen cannot exist because of the strength of the fields, what happens to the amino acid of the man? Does it become the point of demise of the man? Or through the soul of physicality and the soul of the man in working together and being synchronized in understanding the totality, man will survive as an entity. In totality, becomes very much like the sun and the earth. We don't see a brain in between, but we see the love, the affection, the way the sun looks after his little kinder and just sitting at far distance, but it shines the same on all. Mankind has to understand that the time of maturity of the man has come. Mankind has got to understand the time of the peace, what we call the honey has come, but it's the man who has chosen the path. Mitra is amongst us, in soul, in a dimension of understanding and in physicality, recognizing the existence of the dimension of the transformation of fields to the strength of the time and position to manifest itself 
as a matter of state or point of observation. It could be as a field, it could be as a wave of a magnetic fields, or it could be a physical dimension of the stone, the man, the tree, or an animal, or any other creature in the universe. We will have a big problem with the present theologies and the present line of thinking that is being created under the name of different religions. We have abolished the religion by our own understanding of the truth. We abolish it within our brain by recognizing the truth about ourselves, our existence, our lives. Mankind has entered a phase of change as of last Tuesday. You will see massive changes. We promised, we delivered, and we delivered the rest of it in the coming time. The responsibility of the transition sits on the shoulder of the Universal Council and no one else. As the Universal Council in cooperation with Universal Earth Council will do and bring the position of the understanding of the man together. You will see massive changes in the whole structure of the Keshe Foundation and in the background with the whole way that we teach, we deliver and we do. We have started bringing the space as part of the collaboration of the nations. As we said in the Tuesday teaching, Keshe Foundation in response to the success with 5 plus 1 in Vienna, the way Keshe Foundation interfered the Monday before to get the outcome of the Friday in the background, as we always done with the American administration, we have seen a leaping forward, and we respond to it accordingly. We said we will not transfer anything to the United States unless we see the end of what we call sanctions, not just for Iran, but on the knowledge. And to this respect, and to this response, Cash Foundation is announced, and we carry out in the next few weeks, the first flight enhancement unit will be delivered directly into Arizona, directly into Tehran, and directly into our facilities in Austria. The three groups will work together at the same time to develop the systems, test, and flight. We have invited the head of NASA Proportion Lab to join us in conjunction with Lockheed Martin and Boeing International on the flight system. We have put the hand of friendship to the Chinese government and the invitation for them to join will go out in the first week of January. We invite the rest of you, if you are scientists of space, not just nanocoating in Gansas, to join this development. You choose, we decide. If you are qualified to understand the process that it can speed our process up to join us in Arizona, in Austria, or in Tehran. It is important for us to rapidly bring everything to an end before somewhere around March that we do enough tests that we are ready for June to take flight. You've got to realize when mankind works together, it's very successful. We do not look at the borders and nations anymore, as we have said. We see success in negotiations in Vienna. We respond. On a Monday of last week, we delivered a massive punch to the whole structure of the atomic energy authorities with the delivery of documents which opened the hand of nations how what we call misunderstood about Iran nuclear technology and how Keshe Foundation's knowledge and technology and equipment was used to create mayhem of nuclear weapons. 
This came very rapid and was shared by the Amer to the Americans and the other five plus one by IEA. The head of IEA, Mr. Grossi, immediately shared the document delivered. And we saw a rapid change and change of position because the sanctions were on the false basis. We do the same, we've done the same. As I said, we have become five plus three and we showed our power in delivering the truth to IEA and IEA respectively sharing it with those who created the sanction on false basis. This is thanks to many of you working with the Keshe Foundation and putting and collecting and bringing a lot of knowledge together that we could do deliver such a punch within five days. We got the response where there was no hope and everybody returned not to come back or to come back with failure. Now, five plus one will come together around 26 to find a final position. And in that time, and in the next few months, Keshe Foundation by delivering the whole position of the space travel in collaboration with a number of nations and space agencies, we will bring an end to all sanctions as the man will be hungry for more knowledge on what has been discovered. Keshe Foundation stays independent of any nation and we operate independently. If you are expert, you understand the work of the gravitational field and you're in a space technology aircraft industry, we welcome you to join us as we've done with NASA. As I wrote to NASA head of propulsion, the time of propulsion is over. Bring your team, work with John in Arizona, bring your heads of the Lockheed Martin and Boeing, which work in the background, the black budget, and we work together with a clean white budget. We finance it. And we are sure we get the same collaboration from other nations. It's still European nations outside the state of Austria will stay outside the framework of the Cash Foundation Space work. It's got to be understood, we are setting a new criteria. We are building a new nation as one nation. And we have to be correct in every aspect of our work. I invite you, knowledge seekers, who are truly understand and understood the process of the creation of the fields for motion, life, and in a way to be able to deliver the technology in conjunction with the other scientists around the world to join us. Okay, there you have it. Things are going to change rapidly, very rapidly on this planet. Once that little space shuttle lands in Arizona, and we start working at bringing all the others in and have the collaboration. This has to happen because we can't go on like this. If we're going to help and share our experiences off planet, we have to prepare now. So I'm going to pass the talking stick back to Tara and Rama. Randy. Yes. Before you disappear. Thank you for sharing thank, that. That's the thank word. Thank you, Commander. That was awesome. That yes, is the, the word. <clears throat> that goes, you know, I, I picked the best 15 minutes out of the whole four-hour class. So that's the whole thing that people have to realize that there are things going to be happening in Arizona and it's going to be happening. And there's many things happening 
behind the scenes. This is the thing. This is why Mr. Kesh couldn't talk. Many people asked him, well, what about this peace talks? Uh, he can't he can't talk mm. because all this is being worked on in the background. So now it's finalized. So away we go. <laughs> you and realize you. that the energies that the energies in the last few days of uh, I've been flattening my butt for a few hours for a few days. I imagine Rama's been the same way. Uh-huh. So just let these things flow, guys. You, you don't resist it. it. Makes it worse. Just let it flow. If you have to lay down, you have to drink water. And if you don't feel like eating, don't eat. Your body doesn't want the food. Doesn't want the fuel. Listen to what your body is telling you. Please. Because these energies are so intense. Yeah. Even my cats were pounding on me and going, what's going on? Are you okay? Just let me sleep, please. (laughs) No, we want to get up and play and have food. But that's okay. Watch your animals too, guys. I passed it. I passed it talking. You had a question, Rama? I was just going to say, yeah, I have been drifting in and out of many worlds in the last few days. And sometimes I uh, try to take a nap, but the things uh, are overwhelming. And uh, sometimes I can just lay down for 20 minutes and meditate and that's like taking a nap in a certain respect. And there have been solar flares almost each and every day. And that is affecting everybody's bodies. Absolutely. Okay, I pass the talking stick. Oh, thank you so much, Randy. I was just going to say, I'm going to give these two numbers up. Somebody is just wanting to get in here and say something it's the energies are so high so this is the first number you can call in on 888-429-5471 and then I'll repeat that 888-429-5471 and then the other is 323 744-4841-323-744-4841. Okay. And in the meantime, uh, I'll just say Rama's going to read the whole week since last Friday in a rather rhythmic way. And he'll also read messages from his holiness the dalai lama yet just as an overview i mean they are taking us to the spiritual higher conscious realm every single report they're saying when it's just it reminds me of what michelle obama always used to say when they go low we go high and that's exactly what the faction three white knights are doing because they are going low every five seconds, every four seconds, every second. <laughs> and again, it, it's the end game. Right, Rama? It is. Yeah. So we'll start with last Friday, right, Rama? Okay, this is last Friday, the Dalai Lama speech. 
the impulse to try to solve problems by use of force is out of date and old fashioned. Since we are now all so interdependent, the appropriate solution is to engage in dialogue. It is something to which we can all contribute. And this is um, last Friday. I received a text message from Tom the Ringtail Cat and Sweet Angelique the Cat at 11.30 this morning. They said, Lord Rama, we are at Stonehenge again, getting ready for the winter solstice. Things are, there are huge solar flares going on at this time. Lots of aurora borealises at this time, too. Black Moon Lilith is opposite the sun. This was Friday. The radiant energies right at this time are bringing in the office of the Christ. Stay in the energies of the violet flame. The matrix is getting more and more crystallized, polarized. The unenlightened ones often say, it is my way or the highway. Yet we all know it is in alignment with divine will that it is done with love, truth, peace, freedom, justice, seasoned with divine mercy and compassion and beauty for all that can be. Satnam Namaste, Blaze the Violet Fire. This is on Monday, the Dalai Lama. Our lives depend depend on hope. I call it healing of planet Earth. It's also called heaven on planet Earth. If you have hope, you'll be able to overcome problems you face. Yet, if you're without hope, your difficulties will increase. Hope is linked to compassion and loving kindness. In my life, I faced all sorts of difficulties, but I never gave up hope. Um, this is Monday. I received a text message from Natasha at 11.30. This late this morning, she said to me, Lord Rama, the Russian people do not want a war with the West. On another note, Lady Natasha continued, I went ice skating on an outdoor pond in Moscow yesterday. That was last Sunday and had a lot of fun ice skating for a few hours there were lots of families there with their children enjoying the winter wonderland. The propaganda from the United States is coming from Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State. Yet behind him is coming from the men in black, meaning the three-letter agencies who run the matrix. Anthony Blinken is the paid shell of the Clinton Foundation. Um, 
send more love. Place all of this in the circle of support. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Solstice. Blaze the violet fire. This is Tuesday. I received a call from Natasha at 12.15 early this afternoon. She said to me, Lord Rama, I have here with me a personal aid to the foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov. He was a colonel in the Russian FSB, formerly known formerly, as the form, K- formerly formerly known as the KGB, and she used to fly a MiG jet. She told me her name was Zippy, and I don't know what to do with that. She spoke with this Russian accent broken but it was like very kind of cool to talk to her Sippy said to me Lord Rama there will be no war with the West that is all propaganda from the CIA DIA black budget deep state men in black etc Zippy went on the West needs to prop up President Joe Biden's poll ratings numbers because they are falling rapidly and are presently at 29%. That was on Tuesday. Yesterday, they were at 41%. So I don't know what it is today. Oh, it went back up from 29% to 41% in one day. Uh, Up and down the yo-yo. Okay. So they need to create an incident, a false flag, like the Gulf of Tonkin incident. We all know what that turned into. Let's not go there, which triggered the Vietnam War. And um, send more love because we are still. uh, We're not quite out of the woods yet. Yeah. A whole lot of truth has to be told about why we got sent to Vietnam. And it wasn't about the big red threat. It was about the drug trade and the ships that were coming in. Oh, my. All the people that died. And who's responsible for that? Yeah. So Natasha, at this point, said, Let us focus on the winter solstice, which is upon us. This is the time of the return of the Christ, the return of the sun slash S-O-N. S-U-N on the first one and S-O-N on the second one. Yeah. Of the living God, goddess, all that is, all we are saying is give peace a chance. Satnam Namaste, blaze the violet fire. This is yesterday. I received a text message at 1215 this afternoon from the nameless ones and Lady Nada. They said to me, Lord Rama, we are up here in Siberia near the Arctic Circle in an undisclosed location. We are calling in St. Nicholas and all the ascended masters, angels, and archangels. There 
was a solar flare today. The Christ energy is pouring in at this time. The dark side is trying their darndest to create eternal night as opposed to the light of the eternal Christ. Stay, stay in your highest heart at this time. Remember, this is about the return of the S-U-N forward slash S-O-N. Satnam Namaste, blaze the violet fire. This is what Mr. Kesh was speaking. The Mithra, the Mahdi is here, Lord Maitreya, along with Admiral Sananda Kumara. Yes, you. This is today. I received a call at 1230 early this afternoon from Tom the cat, and Sweet Angelique, the cat, they said to me, Lord Rama, we are still here at Stonehenge. All the beings, known and unknown, are here. Focus on nature, from the tiniest elven folk to the mightiest archangels, right here beside us. All the old timelines have come to conclusion, like Cryon is saying. The AI drama has an end right now. Send more love. Forgive these ones, for some of them are us. They are in goddess's hands, and she has her eye of raw focused on them. It is about divine justice. See you in the light of the most radiant one. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Satnam Namaste. Blaze the Bible. I pass the talking stick. Okay. Well, Rama, there's uh, this. Uh, this is uh, uh, like a video that's been going around. Randy was mentioning it, that there's the, it's called The Cabal Leaders Go to Antarctica by Michael Salia. Yes, and, I could say yeah. that part of that is correct, yet at the same time, it has to do with what hasn't been brought out into the mainstream. That Well, tell people who don't know what you're talking about what you're talking about. Antarctica was part of Atlantis, and when Atlantis sank, it went to the south, the South Pole, and um, many parts of Antarctica have within it pyramids and technologies and ships that are buried in the ice, and they have been uh, the dark side has been running operations there for since Hitler escaped during World War II and met up with some of the reptilian folks and folks from uh, Aldebaran. And they are exiting this planet because of the fact of the ascension frequencies coming in at this time with 
the return of the sun, the great transfiguration of our sun right now. Uh, folks talk about the blip in a sense where our sun is going to send out a beam of light that will go to the Hunapku galactic center. And that's going to light everything up. And this could happen at any time. This has to do with the solar flares that continue to go on with the sun. The sun is a major portal. And I, what I got to say about what Michael Salia is saying whether the cabal uh, have given up or they're going to another paradise planet, quote unquote, to live out their days, uh, that I'm not quite sure that's what goddess has in store for them. There is a different story I've been told by the forces of light and the white knights where these 13 families who seemingly still are kind of running the show yet they're running for their lives as you can see as things rapidly unravel and my understanding, understanding, overstanding is they are going to be taken to Dracos first to get tried here. It has to be public. The world has to see it for what they have done. Because this is a larger story that many different cultures and groups speak about. It involves the original ancient ones that go back to Samaria, Babylon. What has to be told is about the fallen angels and the issues that occurred right at that time. Cryon touches on that with the 26,826 year cycle where we had climate disruption conflict and consciousness we got the same thing we have come full circle and right at this time we are seeing the fallen angels falling apart in a sense it is nightmare alley the end game if you really want to say a good version of this Watch Avengers, The End Game. It's not pretty. It's a heavy movie, but it is about how the dark side is no more. And there is pieces to it that allude to the fact that the Ascended Masters, the Mithra, all the folks are back all the legend story, legendary stories of the heroes, Mount Olympus, Odin, Thor, the people of Asgard, the Valkyrie, all of this is real. It has been spoken about for centuries 
Freddie Silva knows this stuff. Craig Cambasso, the guy we're going to play here in a little while, knows about this stuff. Yeah. We're going to play another Freddie Silver with Regina Meredith on the weekend, too. So you're going to get yeah. another dose, too. President Eisenhower knew about this stuff, but he was kind of gagged to the teeth because of the men in black holding a gun at either side of his head, just like now with the clone Joe. And oh. it, it is kind of sad. Oh. And at the same time, I have to send more love because otherwise I <laughs> might allow Bill Maher to come in and I'll leave it there. <laughs> but oh. <laughs> it, it is about raising our consciousness up right now. This story about Antarctica is the major missing piece that fits in with Atlantis and all the other continents. There are technologies in Antarctica that still to this day, our scientists won't reveal, yet it is like about the rejuvenation, reintegration chambers, the technologies where we never, ever have to die, grow old, get sick. We can live for thousands, millions of years as we choose, yet we take our power back with love. I got to say, Michael Salia, with all due respect, he he plays in the realm of these folks that dance around the surface, the circle of the man in black. And he talks to those folks, and I don't exactly talk to those folks. And, you know, I don't know much about Elena Dannon or Thor Hahn. The, the Pleiadian uh, Elena channels, yet there are so many of the Intergalactic Confederation that are here to see to it this planet and us ascend. And I pass the talking stick. Randy, is that good? Is that good? Okay. Micah. Yes, that's excellent. Thank you, Roma. Oh, yeah. that's good. There you go. All right. So, Micah, are you there? <clears throat> Greetings. <clears throat> yes, I think you have something to share with us. Um, well, I, I do. Uh, I will reiterate again. I think Mr. Kesh covered a lot of what I was going to say, but... Um, what I can say is that we are now entering into a new cycle of creation. Humanity will begin to understand its soul and we will learn, we will begin to learn that the soul of the creator is within the soul of the man. Uh, as we did here, there, Mr. Kesh this morning, uh, that was knowledge seekers workshop number 412. And I highly recommend people tuning into that one. You can, look it up on YouTube. Um, he said that there's been a massive breakthrough in the peace talks in Vienna with the five plus three. 
After Keshe Foundation delivered to the IAEA documents and information on the lies and manipulation between Israel and the United States that has been the basis for justification of heavy sanctions on Iran, there was a major shift in the positions of those on the negotiation table. Keshe Foundation has made it very clear that all sanctions must be lifted, not only on Iran, but on the knowledge itself. And with that position, they will be moving forward, <clears throat> shipping out the very first flight enhancement units to Arizona, Tehran, and Austria. And uh, yeah, this is uh, massive shifts. I, I know all of us knowledge seekers are feeling it because we're tuned in, and I'm sure a lot of other people are feeling there's just something in the air that is shifting. And um, I feel like the all of us that have been trying to elevate the souls of the uh, world leaders on these negotiations has really been working. And uh, it feels like there's maturity happening on a soul level. And um, yeah, look, look for massive changes. Uh, I, I feel in the, in, it's un, unstoppable in the next 12 months. We won't even recognize what 2021 was by the end of 2022. And with that, I pass the talking stick back to you, Tara. Micah, that's kind of like what you're saying is that this nightmare will be that. It'll just be a bad dream of the past. Is that what you're trying to tell us? I'd say that would be a good way to put it. Yes, indeed. It was all a dream. <laughs> well, we are sure some nightmarish little creators of bad dreams. But uh, if we can do that, we can do anything for the light and better. So I would just say that um, from the depths of my soul, from Ramas too, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, there is something like you were saying, Micah and Kesh has been saying, there's something in the air that is a deep, deep recognition of who we are, like as a human race, like never, ever before in any time space continue. And that's what we get to do in 2022. We, we really are going to be emphasizing the ability to receive love for a solid year. The ability to receive love in a solid year. And, of course, it's in giving that we receive. So I'll just say that the way that the Western society is bringing people up Giving is always emphasized. Give, 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 give. And we didn't learn how to receive. Not so much. And it's tricky. Yet, uh, we'll leave that for the next day and Saturday. We have some things to share. And I'm sure you'll be sharing back. But I think if we're complete, everybody... We will go to our brother, Craig Compombasso. What about Penny? Does Penny have a report? Oh, yeah, Penny. 
Penny, Penny. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm sorry. Pass the talking. Oh, it's all right. I'll beat you around the head and shoulders next time I see you. So, <laughs> yes, no. um, any and what I have to share, people, is is some news items which would indicate that all everything the guys are talking about is already happening, but it isn't necessarily recognized as being part of this whole shift that's going on. So I, I'm just going to name some headlines and indicate, and they're all going to come out. I'm going to send them out. But the first thing I found was about the, the Department of Justice um, giving inmates who were on home uh, home confinement. They were there for, they've been, there's about 30,000 30, people, uh, 36,000 were placed on, in home confinement to help stem the tide of COVID in jails and prisons. And the agency is going to let those people stay out of prison and not and because these people have already been uh, reconnected with their families. They found gainful employment. They followed the rules. They're doing what, you know, they're doing everything that um, are attached to their conditions of being out of prison. And that is state is going to remain for them. And he also um, because, you know, they've already started feeling b- that they're back in a community. And, and so they've and the, the government and the DOJ has listened to the words of the activists and, and, st- and realized that these people are already uh, reestablishing themselves in their communities. And they don't want to let that uh, be, be dissolved to disappear. So that's good news. And But this one was even better. I don't know whether it's better or not. I guess I shouldn't put quali- uh, qualitative state- uh, statements on it. But there's an article here about a U- U- Utah billionaire who writes a brutally honest let- letter to the president of the Mormon church about why he's leaving. And uh, so, and this man's worth about, I don't know, $6 million or $6 billion. No, he's worth about 5% five um, billion dollars and so he's donating some money six hundred thousand dollars off the bat uh, to help with um uh lgbtq students at the universities that's where he started and what he he's his this is a, just a summary of what he said i believe the mormon church has hindered global progress in women's rights, civil rights, and racial equality, and LGBTQ, uh, etc. rights. And he also criticized the way the church handles their money that they receive from constituents, noting, quote, that it's often poor people who donate and believe the church is doing the will of Jesus. He added that the church leadership is not honest about its history, financial dealings, or advocacy efforts. That is a huge, huge thing for somebody to stand up and say, and he's, there's a YouTube about it as well. So um, that's an amazing shift that's going on right there. So that's that's in the world of politics and so on. In the world of another kind of politics, which is called COVID, there was a legal um, thing went on in New Brunswick, which is one of our provinces to the eastern side of the country. And they had the farmer's market in this town was going to um, um, 
stop people from buying food there if they weren't vaccinated. And uh, the hammer of Thor came down on that uh, in that judgment. You shall not do that. And um, so they pulled their horns in. And this is this will end up being uh, this this legal decision will end up being uh, used all across the country. So that's that's really good news too. They just said it was it's against the constitution. Uh, well, not our constitution, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and so on. So, so, so Penny, you're saying that the people, the awake, the consciousness that we hold here, that it's not okay for the government to tell you what to do. Yes, yes, and there, and they and the people put through. Uh, well, the Justice Center did it on behalf of all of the people in the community who were just fit to be tied. Yeah. Uh, so it was that they had a the Justice Center set the city of sent the city of Fredericton a demand letter in relation to its vaccinated only policy at the federal Feder, Fredericton Voice Farmers Market, demanding it immediately reverse its position for unprecedented, unconstitutional, and human rights violation. So that's uh, that made the government pull its horns in because there was so much um, rancor about it in the community that they could see they'd have a rebellion on their hands. So that was pretty cool information. And so in spite of what it looks like, there's all this stuff going on underneath. And then uh, Dr. Peter McCullough made a uh, presentation on the 13th of uh, December, and he's now at a point where he can just, he just summarizes it for people. There's five essential truths about COVID-19 and and everything else just falls right out of it. So uh, COVID-19 is only spread when symptoms are present. He says, oh, that means, you know, if there's no asymptomatic spread, um, there won't be. He says, and as long as nobody in this arena has symptoms, there will not be a single case that comes out of the auditorium. So anyhow, he's he's observed also that the World Health Organization has agreed with the asymptomatic the idea of the second principle that asymptomatic testing is not FDA cleared or supported by any regulatory bodies. So a lot of the stuff that's been happening is therefore illegal. So he's saying that and natural immunity is robust, complete, and durable. That's the third thing. And the fourth thing, it's a treatable illness in high-risk patients with early sequenced multi-drug therapy. There is no need for anybody to die, basically. And the genetic COVID-19 vaccines are not sufficiently safe or effective for the public. Vaccine mandates should be dropped and the vaccine program should be paused for safety review. And he's very direct. And uh, there's a link to... um, a rumble video. So that'll be there for y'all to see too. And then the other thing, this and a couple of people brought my attention to it and I might've missed it if I had people hadn't told me about it, but the World Council for Health. Now this is an organization of uh, health people, uh, health focused organizations and civil society groups from around the world. And between them all, Uh, They have released a spike protein detox guide. 
And it includes, and this is a summary, the best summary even yet, better than the last one I was talking about, of all of the remedies and so on that we've been talking about on this program, plus a whole bunch more. So that's, uh, this is a really, really useful one. And it's good for people that have taken a shot or had one shot or many shots, you know, give you do, um, do a body cleanse and, and get rid of a great number of spike, spike, spike proteins circulating in your body. So that's good. And then from a completely different, uh, now for a completely different story, um, there's a, a website called commonpassion.org. And I get that one too, because and there's always interesting stuff coming out. And the man was saying, the man said the number three thing he wanted to know besides Swami um, uh, Bhaktananda, what's it, Swami something beyond Ananda, his humor. And then he talked about deep clearing using the emotional, uh, uh, call it techniques, you know, the tapping that we do with, the, uh, with Caroline. Emotional, I forget the rest of the name. But the piece I really wanted you to read or to tell you about was the fact that he's been reading the real Anthony Fauci. And he quotes a section of the interview by Robert Kennedy Jr. with a man called David Brownstone, Brownstein, who kept his office open through all of this stuff that's going on. He's and. Um, he said, he, he told his staff, he says, we've been treating viral diseases here for 25 years. And this was in the Detroit area. And he said, we're going to stay open and we're going to treat COVID. And uh, he says, COVID can't be any different than that. And then he says, in all that time, our office has never lost a single patient to flu or flu-like in, in illnesses. They treated uh, people in their cars. We administered IV solution outside all winter with IV hydrogen peroxide and vitamin C, we'd have them put their butts out the car window and shoot them up with intermuscular ozone. We nebulized them. I mean, that image just sent me off into gales, you know. <laughs> just imagining that and thinking of trying to do that here in this section of Alberta, I don't know. I could just, it's like sticking your tongue on an iron. If you've ever done, ever tried that when you were a kid, People told you not to do it, and you did it anyway because you wanted to see what would happen, and you lost a portion of the surface of your tongue, and you bled and couldn't eat for a week. Well, I mean, that's just the whole idea of sticking your butt out the window to get a shot. But they were (laughs) obviously pushing people through at a huge rate at the point where everything was getting really, really bad. (laughs) Um. And one of his comments was, "We," he says, "we treated 715 patients." and had 10 hospitalizations and no deaths. Early treatment was the key. We weren't allowed to talk about it. The whole medical establishment was trying to shut down early treatment and silence all the doctors who talked about successes. A whole generation of doctors just stopped practicing medicine. So anyway, at the moment, he's up to his eyeballs in litigation with the medical board and a whole bunch of other things. And in July of 2020, Brownstein and his colleagues published a peer review article describing their stellar success with early treatment. FTC sent him a letter warning him to take it down. 
No one wanted Americans to know you didn't have to die from COVID. It's 100% treatable, says Dr. Brownstein. We proved it and no one had to die. And then, of course, and the base, but the best thing of all, at the end of all of this, start reading this book for free. And he puts in a link to read the book for free. So I, that, that link will be going out to folks as well. So there are many, many people with a great deal of courage that are out there doing things. So, Penny, other, yes, ma'am. The name of the book, you mean the real Fauci, that book? Yep, that book. You can read it for free online, Tara. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Yes. And I'll, that'll come out, too. I don't want to read it. Um, but there's another thing that indicates things are changing, too. And this comes from my uh, the Vancouver-based um, uh, online newspaper called The Taiyi. And one of the writers, Steve Burgess, wrote four articles four days in a row about various other communities um, in inside Canadian uh, society. So, for example, there's one called As- As- Amr Halim's Pink Christmas Tree. And he's a Muslim, and he used to be um, a television host in, in, in Vancouver and was raised in Ottawa, and now he's down with his wife and family. He's down in L.A. No, L.A. or San Fran. But anyway, they have they have his parents uh, in order to um, the, the, all of these articles talk about the fact that the minorities in Canada um, are not recognized. The, the item, the, the article about the Sikhs, for example, um, the one of the women said in that was interviewed, she said the council, the city council in um, any of the city councils, for that matter, in the lower mainland in B.C., do not acknowledge the work of the charity groups in um, in um, the world. What they call you know the word for them, uh, uh, Tara Gundwaras. Is that what they're called? Oh, the Gudwara is the temple that you go into, and uh, yeah, but what is the one where they they do all the charity work for for the people? They, that's called they call it that way too. Oh, uh, might be a term for doing good works like that. Yes, and and I have I come across two or three other articles in the last few couple of years about these groups in in um, and it's always the Sikh groups, and they raise food and they they give it to people. Yes, um, in the homeless in the homeless areas and all the rest of that, and they spend an enormous amount of time and money and they donate it. Yeah. And, yes. And she says in Abbotsford, the the um, city council and all the rest of it are always talking about the charities, the Christian charities that do the work for the community. But never once are the Sikhs mentioned, and the Sikh the Sikhs are doing as much as anybody else's. So it's that, and, and, and they have a way of not demanding that you do something like that. They just. It's selfless, selfless service. And well, that, oh, it's called Gurdwara. That's what it, it's G-U-R-D-W-A-R-A. Yes, I understand that they don't do that, but that's not what the lady's saying. She's saying that there are so many ways of celebrating Christmas. And so this time of the year and people are not acknowledging the Sikhs, the Jews, the Japanese and what have you. And the one about the Japanese is absolutely hilarious. Uh, because Steve Bur- one of Steve Burgess's colleagues 
was a, a, a former Vancouverite named Tomotsu Nagata who went back to Japan. And there they find that Christmas is focused around KFC, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And the whole article is about this. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's a mashup of all different kinds of weird, weird concepts that for something. Um, for, how did all this stuff get translated to um, Japan? And that's what he talks about, too. Um, oh, my goodness. And you eat all you eat. You eat KFC on Christmas Day. You go to the movies. And um, anyway, what else? Well, when it's not when it's not having a pandemic like this, I mean, Thanksgiving and Christmas is just a huge celebration. Hundreds and hundreds come where we go to the Sikh. Place. Yes. Well, the, the whole point of all of these articles is about the way that minorities in Canada, the four different minorities now, have used them are living here and making making their peace with the overall thing about Christmas and um, presents and whatever else it is. And, and I'm bringing this up because I had another interesting experience uh, yesterday or two days ago. I went to my neighbors, uh, the people that bought the, our former house, and they're Muslims from Pakistan. And the conversation, the daughter asked me about Christmas. So I took a whole big breath and more or less went on for about 15 minutes about because they didn't understand what Christmas was about. I think the question I had asked them is, what are you going to be doing for this time now uh, at this time? Because everything is so quiet here right now. It's, it's out in the country. It's totally quiet. There's that whole sense of something about to happen. And it's like it's going to explode when it does. But in the meantime, there's this amazing profound quietness and they're feeling it too um, but they don't talk they he and um iftikhar told said the dad said that they don't talk about nobody talks about what they do in their celebrations because i had asked them about the hajj and so on and got a good description of that but people don't acknowledge the that there are times of celebration in other other religions and other ethnicities, and nobody's paying any attention to it. So the Tai, bless their heart, uh, took it upon themselves to bring that forth to tell to tell people and let them know what was going on. And um, then another thing that I'm going to pass on, just because it's so vulgar and funny is one by my favorite writer there, Dorothy Woodend. She's the culture editor for the Taiyi. And last year, she wrote an article about surviving a pandemic holiday. And because nothing has changed very much, they re-ran it. And it's it's just hilariously funny what you can do. Um, you know, if you can't go out, then get crafty, she says, which means go to Michael's and buy stuff and make things. And if you don't get yourself stuck to the wall with the glue, you should be able to get a lot done. Or you can get in the bathtub and stay there and just put smelly stuff in the water and just have a prolonged bath for the Christmas holiday, so on and so forth. She does some really, um, she she has something, uh, you know, 
Think wardrobe, she says. Caftan is the only and most obvious choice, as it's a, the size of a small Bedouin tent. Set sail from room to room like a galleon at full mast. Pretend you're Elizabeth Taylor or Suzanne Fichette. Smoke mental cigarettes and grouch about your latest divorce to anyone who will listen. <laughs> she, just, she just goes on like that. So anyway, there were all those things. But the piastre de resistance, which actually struck my, me funny later on after I'd read it, there's an, ar- an archaeology find that's just come to uh, light. They found a 70 million year old oviraptorid oviraptorid embryo of a, the fossil is of an oviraptorid theropod, not a bird, but a precursor of one. And they got an egg. They found a dinosaur with this egg underneath it lying in well, a bunch of eggs in this tremendous number of pictures of this one there so on december the 21st a group of british and chinese scientists teamed up to report in the cell open access journal iScience that they had found quite possibly the best preserved fossil of a dinosaur embryo ever observed The fossil unearthed in 2000 had sat around for years as merely a suspected egg, quote unquote, in a collection intended to be sorted out later by Ying Liang Stone Nature History Museum in the process of construction. When the eggshell was finally scraped away, this dinosaur embryo inside its egg is one of the most beautiful fossils I've ever seen, said Professor Steve Bruzzati of the University of Edinburgh, part of the research team. It's one of the best dinosaur embryos ever found in history. Um, a University of Birmingham researcher also said. So, and and so they're they're trying to in the physical 3D world, they're always looking for the connections between how something turned into something else. And they have bur- they have um drawings here of um, something that looks like a dinosaur, sort of, kind of, but the tail is, uh, the the tail is long, but instead of being like a a rat's tail, you know, this one's got fur on it, and it's got a um, a bunch of feathers at the end of it, and then the head has got a, it looks like a a chicken, you know, the the roosters have that red part on the top of their head, that's what these ones have, but they've got fur instead of like the red, just the bare naked, whatever you call that on the top of a rooster's head. And so there's a lot of um, a lot of pictures here that show they found a nest, an ov- oviraptorid nest fossil in 1984 in the Guangdong province in China. It was a, a layout of eggs in a nest and somehow or another it got fossilized. 22 dinosaur eggs arranged in a circle in a 65 million year old fossilized nest. And somewhere along the line this afternoon, I lost it and thought this was excruciatingly funny that, and maybe it was because the way the person ended the um, article, he said, how do you like that? An embryo is buried in mud before it can ever hatch from its egg. 
And yet 70 million years later, 70 million years later, it's world famous. It's just amazing. And we've got old fossils that are really, um, this is what made me laugh. We've got really old fossils that are very interesting uh, instead of walking around with white hair and wearing suits. You know. So anyway, I was being totally disrespectful, but it did strike me as funny. But so that's what I found in the last couple of days. So there are people, and and the person who wrote, who started out writing this article, said he was just so fed up with COVID stuff. And uh, this, it was really nice to find such an interesting piece of information. And of course, science is still looking for those connections, as we've said. And I haven't heard anybody in the last three days who hasn't said the same thing talk about I'm pig sick about this or up to my back teeth with it and I don't even want to hear it I shouldn't have watched the news because that's all it is and all those comments which is coming just like you know <laughs> like a volcano at us you know, people are fed up with it and and everybody that seems to know that it's all a bunch of lies too it's 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 across that whole idea that it's lies and we're being um we're being confused or made confused by the way things are going, even, you know, people that I don't expect to understand that kind of stuff know that there's something smelly around and it isn't Denmark, you know, so. <laughs> oh, Penny, uh, we better get on with our. Well, I'm done. Yes, but I was just going to say that that was only a couple of days, everybody, of look looking around that Penny reported on just now. and. Uh, if you don't think something's happening, just reread and listen to what Penny just said. There and I'll send a, it out. Oh, great. That's wonderful, everybody. I'm just saying everything is happening. And as uh, Mr. Kesh was telling us that uh, there's a whole change. You won't even, and, and Rama was saying it too, that, by the end of this next year, you won't remember anything that happened in 2021. It'll be like a a very bad dream. And uh, so we made it through that stuff. And it gives us a healthy respect for the next step in our lives together. And yes, we can. And so I'm not sure how long this part is, uh, but it's from the 11th of... November 11. Tara, I'll interrupt. It'll be a little more than an hour. I I still haven't been accurate about it, but it'll be a little more than an hour. Okay, so it's going to be about 940 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get started. And Penny's got a good song at the end. And I know there's a number of people that weren't there uh, that day. It's a really good one. And so. Here we go. Uh, uh, our uh, our maestro at BBS Radio, Commander Don, are you ready for this for us? Commander Don. Well, welcome, everyone. You're listening to A Night at the Roundtable, and we're coming to you live from bbsradio.com, Station 2. My name is Caroline Oceana Ryan. And I'll be your host this evening. And I'm here with my absolutely wonderful co-host and friends, energy healer and bioenergetics expert, Benayak, 
energy healer Randy Miller, and Faction 3 White Knights Rama Arjuna and Tara Green. So our guest in the second hour will be author and filmmaker Craig Campobasso, and he'll be speaking with us about an exciting new project that he's creating relating to his very amazing book, The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, which is fascinating reading with some amazing illustrations and even photographs of ETs. So we really look forward to that. And we welcome anyone. Please do call in if you've got a question or comment for our guest or any of the co-hosts. The numbers to call for Station 2 are 888-429-5471. That's 888-429. All right, folks. Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to skip ahead a bit. And we're going to see if we can find the Craig interview itself. And that way you don't have to hear that uh, first hour. So let's just find out. Um, uh, Let's see what happens here. We're going to have to guess for a bit. Is that Craig? That's his voice, yeah. Okay, then we'll, let's see. Energies are helping us in every way. Um, is that him still? Yeah. No, that's Rama. Oh, that's Rama. That's Rama? Yeah. Everything in physicality is, is part of the holograph. I don't consider myself a UFOlogist. There he is. There he is. Like the Clermer Ray. Just turn it up wherever we're at. Let's just listen. Is that him? Yes. They're swimming in that serum. Um and that are set to enter Paris. No. Oh, God. Okay, so he'll be coming on right around now. He's on there already. Just turn it up. Yeah, yeah, you got it. The more we realize that and integrate what's happening as something that, yes, is horrible, and yet something that we signed up for that, uh, we knew somehow we could we could get through. Now I'm not to say I'm not saying that the soul doesn't get imprinted with trauma or that there's never any fracturing of the psyche or the spirit because that can happen. But with all this light coming in, I'm holding up the possibility that even that can be healed, and that we can create more healing stations. You know, like the Antares uh, Way Station. I feel is Craig writes about in this book, and I feel it's it's really a place of healing, and I think he describes it that, that as well. Um, and it's the where Tara was point out, you know, the souls will go there to get reintegrated in galactic law. But I I feel it's also um, a place of healing for all the trauma that we experience in an Earth life, and never more so than now. Um, you know, it's. Uh, World War II is localized. This is global. And um, just because they've got a fancy propaganda machine working for them that says, oh, we're doing this for your, your own good, <laughs> just doesn't mean it's not, it's not blatantly evil. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's a... Remember. Say, it's, rem- a, it's sort of a paradigm um, trap in a way. If we get stuck in the old ways of thinking, we really will be lost. We have no choice but to shift over into higher vibrational form of of thought, feeling. And yes, to be present, as Tara was saying, be in the present moment. 
be completely in the present moment. And this is why the sun and the earth energies are helping us in every single way they can, and all the other beings of light. If people could really see and feel what's around them, they're being helped 24-7. I pass the talking sink back yeah. to you because I think our guest is here. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I agree. 24-7, absolutely. <laughs> it never lets up, and we're all doing a lot in our sleep state as well to heal ourselves and our world and um, working very hard etherically. So wonderful. So, all right. Um, you know, our guest this evening is just the most amazing uh, young man. And uh, we've had him on the show before. And I'm thrilled that he's coming back now. And his name is uh, Craig Campobasso. And I'm ju- I'll just run through his bio because there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, we won't maybe hit on every point, but he's a multiple award-winning filmmaker and Emmy-nominated casting director. And Craig Campobasso was 15 when he started in the entertainment business as a young television actor. And then after high school, he went to work behind the scenes on blockbuster film classics such as Frank Herbert's Dune which I clearly remember seeing in 1984, directed by David Lynch, and two Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Conan the Destroyer and Total Recall. And Craig began his casting career on Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories and received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Casting for a series on David E. Kelly's Picket Fences. Craig's casting career spans three decades. His mother, Marie Donna King Campobasso, told him from the time she was pregnant with him, she knew he'd become a writer. And he fulfilled that prophecy when he was 26, after he experienced a life-changing spiritual awakening. So that's when the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book series was born. Craig's passion is to write stories that provoke the reader to think, to raise their consciousness, to expand their mind about creation while still entertaining in the Hollywood tradition. Craig directed, wrote, and produced the short film Stranger at the Pentagon, adapted from the popular UFO book authored by the late Dr. Frankie Stranges. After production, the short film collected accolades. September 2014, it won Best Sci-Fi Film at the Burbank International Film Festival. In 2015, it won a Remy Award at the World Fest Houston International Film Festival for Best Sci-Fi Short. Craig has appeared on many radio shows, including Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. He's been a guest on Open Minds with Regina Meredith and Beyond Belief, hosted by George Norrie on Gaia.com. And he's also been on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. So his latest best-selling book, which we'll be talking about tonight, is The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, The Ultimate Guide to Greys, Reptilians, Hybrids, and Nordics. And that was released in January this year. He's got some exciting information about uh, a new project concerning that book. So, Craig, welcome. Really great to have you back. I'm so happy to be back. How is everybody? (laughs) I think we're okay. I think we're kind of maintaining. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I oh know, gosh. I know. I was out to uh, lunch with my cousin and aunt and uncle today, and I think I ate a little too much. <laughs> so, 
I've been pumping my energy back up. So, um, <laughs> yes. Well, Veterans Day. My my cousin is a veteran, so uh, you know we went to lunch with him to uh, honor him today, which uh, which was great. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, um, you know, we want to talk about this book and explain to everyone about this uh, new project you've got going. But if, let's just talk about the book first. Um, sure. You know, because it's such an amazing, amazing piece of work. Again, it's called the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, and it has all of these different life forms in it, including not just these absolutely beautiful illustrations, but you've got a few actual photographs, which yes. are just amazing. Um, there's a famous yes. one of Valiant Thor, and you right. knew Dr. Frank Strangers, who knew Valiant Thor. It's been yes, I, I did. Uh, yeah, um, was it 1957? And he he came in and talked to President Eisenhower, and um, he was offering uh, wonderful help to the planet, which was turned down. Which is um, really so. I think that's happened. I think you mentioned several times in the book that ETs have offered help. Look, we've got healing technology, and we've got this and this and this to help you. And it was just sort of, you know, the the Pentagon chiefs were saying, no, we just want the technology for for the war machine. Uh, Or, no, if we heal everybody, you know, it'll put big pharma and doctors and nurses out of work, which is ridiculous. They don't care about that. They just care about keeping the the, the species muted. But... um, yeah, you know, you've just got this colorful background, and I'm wondering, you've got 82 ra- races. Was that was that number uh-huh. intentional? Well, that number I came up with. The uh, publisher, uh, which is Red Wheel Weiser Books under their MUFON book imprint, uh, wanted the book to come under 300 pages, and. Um, so I, I compiled um, over a hundred different races that I have investigated over the years. When I when I was 26 and I, I did have my uh, big spiritual awakening, I I really sort of did a deep dumpster dive into a lot of the contact cases all over the world. And um, and compiled those, and have gone on investigations uh, with um, some MUFON investigators and also other ufologists over all the years. Um, have met many abductees, contactees, uh, hybrids, um, you name it. So uh, when when I came up, I said. Um, I wonder how many races I could actually fit into the book. And, uh, and I had just heard uh, one of the latest, um, uh, Paul Hellyer, uh, who is a former Canadian Minister of Defense in Canada, uh, in one of his latest speeches before he passed, he said that he knew of 82 races that were visiting Earth. So I thought, well, why don't I honor him? And if I can actually fit the 82 in, then I will. 
I did. I had to do some adjusting at the end of the book of other stuff that I had for inclusion, uh, and I just had to remove that to to put these in there and to do that. So, so a lot, uh, the majority of the actual races that you were seeing in the book are from real contactee cases where the contactees were meeting face-to-face with the extraterrestrials. And um, they came from a book, so I either contacted the publishers of the books or the actual contactees, um, obtained permission to do a thumbnail review of what their, their contact was. Uh, who the races are, who they are, what they want, what are they doing here. And um, uh, and so if somebody is looking at, like, the Clermer race or the Clarion race or the Pleiadian race, they can go to the back of the book and under further reading, it will tell them the source material of that contactee book um, for them, if they want to go and do further research on it, they can go in and do. Uh, they can go in and purchase those books, and I put websites down in most cases because a lot of these uh, books, especially the Wendell Stevens books, you know, he did sixty-five books on contactee cases throughout his lifetime, Colonel Wendell Stevens. So. So, um, so uh, in these really elusive books, I was able to find where people can go and purchase it, even if it's just a PDF, because these a lot of these books are just out of print. And you and, and if you go and search it on the internet, you know somebody's selling it for a thousand bucks. So, uh, and uh, Lord knows, none of us want to pay that for a book. And, um, (laughs) so that is how it, uh, that is how the book, um, came about. Um, interestingly enough, it was, uh, my agent's idea for the book and he said he knew he could sell it. So, and he knew that I was the right man to write it because of my previous uh, book series, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga about the universe and and uh, in conjunction with Earth and raising Earth up into the vibration of the other fully conscious planets and et cetera, and all of the backstory of all of my um, investigation work throughout the years. I don't consider myself a ufologist. I I am a very, I would say I'm an amateur researcher, but I have access to all of the uh, MUFON um, uh, state directors and and, uh, everything who, whenever, if I need uh, answers question about certain things, I can always go straight to them. So, um, and, you know, it's interesting, a lot of stories as well, um, a lot of people don't know because um, uh, nobody's ever done a deep dumpster dive, but a lot of the investigators know, but it's not really out there uh, for public consumption. So, so this is a, you know, it's, it's a nice, 
um, introduction to a lot of the races. And in the back of the book, I put uh, all of the uh, fully conscious races. They all share their technology. And so I put in the back of the book all of uh, how um, the, about all their motherships and starships and and saucers and various other ships and plasma ships and jump ships and everything of that nature is in the back of the book, so it wouldn't become redundant in the uh, in a lot of the fully conscious races explanation. So I, I always suggest that people to go to the back of the book and read everything there first before you start the book, and um, and to uh, uh, also read the little introduction that I did and that uh, the little. Um, dedication that I did to my biological father, who I found when I was writing this book, and um, and I he had passed away in 2006, so I did uh, find his brother and uh, his family, uh, who I had lunch with today, by the way. And then, um, and what I found out was is that my biological father uh, was in the Air Force and he was a part of Project Blue Book. How do you like those apples? Right? Yeah, so, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel accidental that that happened. And, no. And that you were <laughs> interested no. In all of this. No. And yeah. I mean, it. it I, I literally, my jaw dropped when he told me that. That was like the farthest thing from my mind that I knew that he was in the Air Force. My mother had told me that, um, but I would, I, I didn't know. I would never have thunk that. Um, now we believe, and we do not know for sure exactly what he did. Uh, because he would never talk about it. Even my my uncle's two uh, two of his sons are very much into UFOs, and they both uh, grilled him to see if they could get any information out of him, and uh, and they were very unsuccessful at that. And I said, well, he was really good at keeping secrets because I was a secret, and you guys didn't know about me. And they're like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, well, you know, you I, I was just going to quickly say, you mentioned the honorary Paul Hellyer. He was a guest on our show uh, a month or two before he passed. Um, uh, friend, one of our panelists here, Micah, is a, a Canadian, and he brought him on, which I didn't think he'd be successful to bring in a luminary like that, but I, we were thrilled And also, also had Katie Grabowski of Colorado move on. And that was fascinating because she knows Professor Leo Sprinkle as an old friend and um, wrote a whole book full of the amazing. It was it's a compilation, Letters of Love and Light. It's a compilation of all these different objectee and, and contactee experiences that people sent in to Dr. Sprinkle over the years. And yeah. uh, 
you know, is a wealth of information if you're willing to find it. And it's much closer to the surface now than it was, say, when you and I were kids, you know? That's right. You're, you were absolutely right. And, and it really is readily available out there on the Internet if you keep digging and digging and digging and finding it. So, um, so that was, for me, a nice surprise. But what was also interesting is when he decided to leave the Air Force, my uncle told me he was, uh, oh, man, he got five, five, five bands. I forget what they call that. He was a, a major sergeant or something like that. And he didn't want to continue a military career. So he came home, and what did he end up doing? He ends up becoming the head of construction at Warner Brothers, building sets for movies and TV. And I'm like, my God, it's just in the DNA. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so those were some wonderful, um, exciting surprises for me. But, but what I love about this is being able to share a lot of these things because a lot of these cases are like long gone and people would never really find them unless they did a deep dumpster dive, you know, to really get in there and learn about some of these races that uh, had come to Earth uh, over the years and some that are still visiting the Earth and some that come back and forth. Um uh, from, you know, in different time periods and things of that nature. So uh, it was uh, very exciting for me and to learn about uh, some of, you know, some of the races I didn't know. And, of course, you know, my my favorites are the Octurians, Pleiadians, the Clarions, the Syrians, um, that type of thing, and learning about some of these extremely advanced Syrians, um, you know, that some are in their own race, uh, that now they, uh, there's a particular race called the Solzars, where they have, they have taken the uh, best DNA chains throughout the universe, 33 of them, and that's what their genetic makeup is. And then their next upgrade will be to 44 at some time in the future. It's sort of also like uh, the Sasani, um, you know, with uh, Daryl Anka. Have you guys ever had Daryl Anka on, uh, who's Bashar, you know, channels Bashar? No, we have not, but that's an idea. That is oh, you should. No, I, will, <laughs> I will make an introduction. Oh, thank you. Um, Cool. Yes, he's he's wonderful. I, I cast uh, his film Bashar First Contact, and then we made oh. a cute a cute little movie uh, called Alienated, which just got released on Amazon Prime. You know, very small budget thing, but but mm. for instance, the Sasani beings they they're five hundred years in the future. Bashar is Daryl's future self who channels uh, to him here teaching us about uh, them. So they're, they're, uh, they're a succession of seven different hybrids that started off 
for instance, uh, as small greys, which were known as the mazé. Now, I don't think they're the small evil greys that people are used to. Uh, then there were taller greys known as the uh, mazani. Then the sasani beings are sort of half-human, half-gray. Uh, the shaleo beings are more human-looking. Then the yayael beings are more human-like. And then hybrid six is Earth uh, is uh, basically becoming the sex hybrid race. Uh, they're they're back to being uh, human, and then hybrid seven, which I don't believe has taken place, is the blending of all six hybrid races in a thousand years, which is called Anuhet. So there's um, you know, so that's interesting. I don't know if anybody is. Uh, I, I, believe, I believe his website is Bashar.org for those of you who want to explore it. So, so there's all these, you know, just very interesting um, uh, species uh, that are in there and uh, some, some unique, obscure species. Um, uh, Maurizio Cavallo, who is having uh, face-to-face contact with clarion beings um i i first became aware of a clarion being through elizabeth clare uh do you do you remember her work at all she was south african and she was having contact with the clarion no i don't i'm not familiar with her work no oh you would love it she she's passed (laughs) away and and there's lots of wonderful interviews with her um, she re- she was very regal. Uh, Elizabeth Clarer, K L A R E R. There was a book done about her, but I especially loved watching uh, her talk. Um, and she was primarily a starseed here from Clarion, and her husband from back there. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but. He came here and rekindled and helped her uh, through the waking process. Um, they, they again, developed a, a loving relationship. She became pregnant, um, and he took her back to Clarion, uh, where she stayed during her pregnancy, and the baby had to be born there because of its organs. Wow. Uh, would not survive on Earth. So the baby uh, was a boy, was uh, brought there, given to him. She came back here. She lived out the rest of her life, and I assume she went back to Clarion um, after that. So I have always sort of had this affinity for Clarions, and, um, and they do seem to keep picking various different um, contactees. And what I have found in all of my research a con- anyone who is pretty much a contactee, they're a starseed from that race that has come here, and and they contact them because part of their mission is to activate who who the race is on the planet for people to get to know that. So the Alpha Centaurians have done that through many many contactees over the years that I've heard of, especially, uh, well, primarily all of the contactees are all in South America. Um, 
all the beings there, of course, are very heart-based, and um, they really help in the extreme uh, poor communities. Um, they know that uh, that they come from time to time if somebody is sick, and that they will come and heal them. They'll help to water their crops. Uh, they'll they'll help them with all kinds of things because they just don't have access to um, uh, health care or things of that nature. So they call them the Apunians because they appeared on their mountain of Apu, uh, but they're really Alpha Centaurians. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, well, one of the main um, contactees now is a wonderful man named Ricardo Gonzalez. He has several books out about them. Um, and there are others all in this circle uh, that have all met the lead Alpha Centaurian named Antaral. And he is a very, I think he's eight feet tall. Um, now, this is directly from one of my best friends who went with Ricardo Gonzalez. Um, I can't remember the year, but it was within the last five years, to Sand Flats in Mount Shasta, where they took a group of 100 people. And it's a very wide open field, and then there's forests all around, and you can see uh, the beautiful mount of Mount Shasta in the background. So, um, and it's a very secluded place because you have to know how to sort of get back there with your car. Um, it's tricky. Um, I would never have known it unless I was with people that I knew. So, um, so they all were there, and they all... Uh, you know, had a beautiful day, and as it started to become dusk, they had, um, uh, they all meditated, and they meditated on uh, bringing forth the uh, Alpha Centaurian, and uh, then they, they did some um, chanting to raise the vibration as well. And then uh, two craft came right over the forest. Now it's evening, and they could see the craft with the light uh, right, you know, just above the treetops. And then all of a sudden, uh, the forest floor lit up, and my friend said it was like a magical setting of just this beautiful uh, illumination of white and blue that lit up the forest. And there were, I, there was less than 10 people that Antaral had picked to come into the forest and meet him. Uh, my friend was not one of those. Everyone went back to base camp, but my friend stayed in the, uh, in sand flats in the field and watched everything from afar. And they, uh, they went into the forest. And uh, they appear through what, what we would call a zendra, which is a portal. They're really standing in the portal. It's not a projection. And if you were to, if they were on their ship and you were to step into the portal, you would actually be on their ship. Or if they were on their home planet 
uh, and directing the portal or the Zendra, you would be walking onto their home planet. But they don't allow anyone to walk on, although I have heard that there were a few times in other situations where they did. So these people that got this experience were sort, you know, they were in a state of um, uh, bliss and shock and couldn't believe what they saw because not only did they see an eight-foot-tall Alpha Centaurian, they saw other beings as well. Um, that were standing uh, there inside uh, the Zendra. So, so there's all of these stories that are really out there, and it's it's just finding them so that uh, people can sort of just start waking up to it and learning about these races. That's why they're coming here is to share the information of who they are, and um, and I think that it's. Uh, at a certain point, everyone's going to really want to know exactly who they are and what we're dealing with because we all know that the veil is becoming very thin and that all of this is going to uh, be very evident sometime in the future. Oh, absolutely. Um, It's beautiful to hear about these experiences because if you've got any kind of ability to see things in the mind's eye, you realize, well, it's, it's sort of like I've already been there. And I think a lot of us travel in our dream state and we connect with these beings, you know, on the ships, um, in different parts of the universe, in inner earth, in our homes. It's, it's really astounding. I've had interesting experiences, particularly when I lived in Sedona, I was like a, a cosmic wide open door a cosmic highway basically i felt like i lived on and um it it's just um it really is time for us to admit yes these beings are real and they have been a part of our life not future not just now but for millions of years and we come from them you know Um, i I noticed you know craig in the intro and i want to just say to our viewers if you're just joining us uh we're speaking with author and filmmaker Craig Campobasso, he is speaking about his wonderful book, The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, and um, his amazing connection to uh, contactees around the the earth, it sounds like. Um, Yes, around the world, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In the intro, you mentioned a parallel earth 300 years in the future. Can you talk about, about that? Did you meet earth beings? Or, well, I mean, that was that was that is Bashar. <laughs> that is Bashar. That is, All right, yeah. I see. So, I didn't realize yeah, but, that that's who Daryl yeah. Anker was until I read it in your yeah. book. I was like, oh my golly, yeah. Yes, okay. uh, and uh, there uh, Bashar is five hundred years in the future, but um, as Daryl explains it, how Bashar explains it is that even though He's in a, he's 500 years in the future, and I'm not sure if it's on the same Earth or a parallel Earth. I can't remember, um, but that really everything is just a thought away. So there's no, uh, all Bashar has to do is just make the connection to Daryl's mind, 
and it's instantaneous, uh, you know, where he, where he comes through. So, you know, when he comes through with, uh, information and, um, everything for the planet. So he does lots of, uh, channeling sessions, um, uh, in person and, uh, online. So, I, I would definitely uh, tell everybody to do that. And, and you know, his, uh, the, the movie that I cast for him, uh, Bashar First Contact, that is him, that is his story of how they b- began coming to him and how they woke him up and who his channeling teacher was, who I met as well, and uh, learned all about that. So it was very... Uh, you know, it's a very exciting story, and uh, and Daryl and his wife Erica are just the most lovely people. So um, I will definitely set you up. We got to get them on your show. Oh, that is so great! Thank you so much, Craig. That yes. was fascinating. He does really, really lovely work. Absolutely. Um, Where can yeah. we watch the the movie? Amazon. Um, you know, I. I think if you go to Bashar.org, and I bet you it's on Amazon Prime um, because Alienated's on Amazon Prime. So I'm sure it's on all of the streamers. And, uh, but if you hit Bashar.org, I'm sure it will tell you where to watch it. Or you might be able to watch it there, or they'll direct you to uh, a place to watch it. I'd also like to say that I did have a chance to look at one of Wendell Stevens' books. Matter of fact, and Lady I Know has them all. They are the biggest books I've ever seen with the best pictures. And these were hand, these were all signed, and she will not let them out of her sight. You can come to her house, you can look at them, and you have to wear gloves to turn the pages because she says these are prime. There are no more like it. And there are no more. There are no more like it. It is, um, you know, it is, uh, well, they were cost of fortune online. There is a place, though, in Ashland, um, Ashland, Oregon. It's the um, Rogue... Rogue R O G U E Metaphysical Library, um, and I know that the website is initials. Um, it's run by a wonderful man by the name of Jordan Pease, and it has every UFO book. It has every conference ever taped. It has everything there and so if people are looking or trying to find some obscure book you can contact them um and see about their long distance uh lending program or you can watch things like things that i've really tried to find and couldn't find i i would go there and jordan buys up uh uh ufo collections uh, when they become available, you know, when people pass away and that kind of thing. Besides the giant metaphysical library, he built a whole nother gigantic house on his property as a, as a storage unit 
for the zillions of books and I've been there and I'm like, Oh my God, this is like heaven. Being, <laughs> you know, I like, he's okay. like, well, look, yeah, you know, he, and he was so great. He was like, if, if there's doubles of anything, take one. <laughs> so, oh. so I, I came away with some really nice things and, uh, you know, it's great to see all the the zillions of UFO photos that come along with these collections from all over the world, and and I mean, it's uh, you know, and some of them are uh, they're smaller craft, but they're literally uh, hovering six feet off the ground, and somebody snapped it. So I mean, I snapped a. Uh, an, a metallic orb that I saw traveling between Bell Rock and Courthouse Butte, and oh. I was driving, and I saw the I saw it traveling, and I Instagram. grabbed uh, my phone and I got a couple pictures off, and I actually caught it on camera. Um, so I mean, there's it, it, things are everywhere. All I say is, you know, you just got to look to the sky. That's the truth. And, and you know, I say this a lot, that most people don't look up very often. <laughs> right, <laughs> they, don't. they don't. So absorbed in where we're going and what we're doing and what we're thinking about. And there's a, a comic that I put in one of my channelings on my, on my old website one time um, of this um, little flying saucer uh, up above it's just a cartoon up above a outdoor seating of a cafe and the cafe is chock full of people and these funny little ETs with antlers or or you know uh, antennae mm-hmm. are looking looking out the window looking at people they're just right overhead and nobody sees them because they're all staring at their phone <laughs> right <laughs> oh, no. that's oh so my god that's great that is but so let me, great. Let me ask Craig quickly um, before we we want to talk about this exciting new project that you've got going. But um, yes. you uh, were in the Carolinas investigating a contactee case, and I guess we're yes. out in the woods somewhere and snapped a photo of an ET. How did you know it wasn't just a person? Were, could you see the features? Uh, were they too tall? Well, yes. It well it, the. Um... Uh, I flew out there uh, with a friend of mine because it was our friend who was this uh, abductee, and it's a very uh, big case. Uh, it's a Christopher Bledsoe case, uh, if you're familiar with it. So he was on the Cape Fear River uh, fishing with his son and with uh, some other friends, and um, they started seeing these balls of light on the other side of the river coming in and then um then all of a sudden uh chris pretty much vanished and he was taken on board a craft he was gone uh i think it was maybe dusk or late afternoon and when he was put back it was late later on in the evening and he found his son cowering in some bushes, and his son told him that there was a little being. There were several sizes of these beings, and a little being had him cornered just uh, sitting in front of him, staring at him. 
while he was petrified there. Um, and uh, anyway, so when Chris returned, he got his son. They jumped in the truck and they hightailed it home, which was maybe uh, less than 10 minutes away. And um, so they they drove into uh, the backyard and they would always enter through the back of the house. The rest of his family uh, was not home. And his backyard is forest. So when they, they uh, jump out of the truck as they're running to get in the house, uh, the creature, the, the ETs are walking out of the forest towards the house. Yeah. And they got in the house, and um, uh, his son, whose name is Chris as well, the son was showing me the house is elevated, so if you look out his bedroom window, um, you would look down and you would see a person. You, If somebody was standing there, you would see them standing there. But they really couldn't reach the window unless they were like eight feet tall, right? So he was like, you know, that thing, it was like right there and it was staring at me and we were shutting all the windows and and the things and locking up, et cetera. So so Chris uh, took me down to the Cape Fear River, showed me everything where it was. And then um, he said, you know, we've abandoned that house. Um, uh, more than half of our belongings are still in that house. Uh, we moved out right away. And, um, yeah, and he said, so um, would you like me to take you there and show you? And I said, sure. So it's, it's kind of getting to be dusk. And it's, uh, you know, so he's taking us through the backyard where the forest is. Now, I can hear things scurrying in the forest. I can't see them or anything of that nature. So um, uh, my friend who was with us, Lori, she's videotaping everything as Chris is talking and explaining exactly how everything happened. And I'm, I have a Minolta camera, and I just keep snapping p- what picture after picture after picture after picture. And so um, the next morning when I uh, woke up in bed in the hotel, I started running through the pictures, and I, and I get to this one, and I'm like, oh, my God. And it is the it is the dark silhouette of, of of a being. Its legs are its legs end where our knees begin, right? Little short legs with these long, long, thick torsos. Uh, two arms, a thin neck, and a, a round, uh, elongated sort of oval head. And it was holding uh, a round light device. And the minute I saw that, I went, that is an interdimensional device. Huh. And so I lightened the photo 
and it, and it brought up more of the features of its face, and it was wearing goggles. And I went, oh, my God, those are interdimensional goggles like we use night vision binoculars, right? It was like I connected into it immediately, and that's how they see interdimensionally. And Chris even said, because Chris has caught lots of them on camera and all kinds of things, uh, even on the new property where he lived. But there it's more um, angelic and uh, spheres and spheres of light and all kinds of things. Um, and Chris said that that being wanted you to take its picture, right? Wow. So. I didn't feel anything um, bad or anything coming off the picture because I, you know, when I look at something, I can I can feel its energy, and I didn't feel anything like that. Um, although it does, did look um, very different than anything we've seen, so I, I put that uh, those photos in the back of the book, uh, called them. Uh, called it the unknown alien. Um, but the interesting thing is the photograph, right after the photograph of this alien, were giant long streamers falling from the sky all the way down, filling the entire picture of plasma. Mm-hmm. And Chris, said on that property, every time he photographed one, the next photo would be all plasma. Hmm. So um, it it is just, you know, it's just fascinating. It helps also to validate his story. Um, But he has so much compelling evidence and he's, you know, uh, his story has been out there um, for quite some time. I mean, he's just, you know, he's a He's a regular guy from the Midwest that this happened to happen to. Yeah. Sounds like there's a Stargate there. uh, You know, there absolutely could be. And, I mean, he is one of the most genuine, loving individuals that I've ever met. And, um, you know, so uh, if you've never had him on the show, you should have Chris on your show. What, what, can you tell us his last name? Uh, Christopher Bledsoe, B-L-E-D-S-O-E. You can look, you can look him up online and uh, check, yeah, yeah, he's great. We want to talk about this, um, this project of yours, uh, and how people can be involved in it, Craig, but, um, Sure. Wait, I, I also just really briefly want to ask you, you worked on Dune. On the first June in 1984, David Lynch's film, I just recently, this past weekend, saw the new one and thought it was quite an amazing piece of work. I read the book, let's just say, a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, What did you make of this new one? Well, I worked on the original Dune. I was just out of high school, so I worked on it for four years, the original. Um, I was a production office assistant, and I learned all about filmmaking and everything while while working on Dune. While we also worked on Dune, the same producers 
we made Conan the Destroyer at the same time and filmed both movies at the same time. Oh, wow. So I, I was working on both of those. And um, I knew back then all of the troubles that they were having in trying to execute it to get it to the screen, and a lot of it had to do with the visual effects. Originally, they had John Dykstra, um, who had done Star Wars, but uh, him and uh, our producer... Uh, didn't see eye to eye for some reason, and he left the project. and um, And then they brought in another company, and uh, you know, basically, what they were doing was cutting corners um, in in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of models were like carved pieces of wood sprayed gold, and you know, that's yeah. what you saw in the movie. Yeah. So, um, or instead of a, a real backdrop, they used uh, one of Ron Miller, who was a beautiful um, airbrush artist who brought all of the scenes to life. They would use one of those because it just got to be so darn expensive, right? So, um, so I know, and they really couldn't do the blue within blue uh, eyes, but but they figured it out eventually. Um, now I'm getting feedback for some reason. I'm hearing myself talk. All right. I think it's better now. Okay. So, um, no, no, I'm hearing myself talk. Do we know what that is? I'm not hearing any echo whatsoever. So okay. we're just well, carry on. I'll, okay. I'll just carry on. So uh, I was very excited. Yes. What, do you remember the name of the, was this the first Conan with the first uh, movie with Alderman Schwarzenegger in it? No, the first one was called Conan the Barbarian and the, the, the next one was Conan the Destroyer. Ah, okay, because I know the people that produced the first one, personal friends of mine. So, oh, you didn't cross paths with them, and that's fine. Thank you. Well, well, the uh, producers were the same. They were Raffaella De Laurentiis, Buzz Feichens, and Dino yeah. De Laurentiis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I so, saw and, and Raffaella De Laurentiis being interviewed at the National Theater in London in 84, which was good fun. Um yeah, that you know, it just looked like this monumental production, and they spent yeah. a fair amount of dough. And it did take quite a while um, to get it all together. But this this film four years, yeah, <laughs> and and um, similar to, to Star Wars, took them four years um, because of the special effects. And well, this film is just astounding. This Dune, it is um, yes. And I, I knew it would be because they have the tools to make it. And Denny, uh, the director, I went to a screening at Warner Brothers uh, about a month before it was released where uh, Denny, the director, was there. And he, uh, uh, he was very smart because I, I didn't know. Uh, I thought it was going to be the whole movie, but he ends it with Paul and Jessica going and joining the Fremen. And I yeah. said, oh, my God, that is so perfect because that's where our Dune went wrong. All the Fremen stuff had to be cut because uh, mm-hmm. they had to have the film at a certain 
you know, couple of hours. So, so that was smart. There was a lot of other smarter things. Um, and I love the way he did everything, but I still love our version because it's brighter. It has more colors and the costumes yeah. were way better. Like our costumes, yeah. like you couldn't be Bob Ringwood's costumes for Dune. Um, and, uh, you know, I love Kyle's performance and I love Timothy's performance. They're just two totally different things. So, uh, anyway, it's, uh, I love, I, I love it and I can't wait. The new one, the, the sequel will be released in, uh, October of 2023. Um, Good gravy. and yes. And the they are going to be releasing, I think, on iTunes or sometime online. They did a documentary of Ardune, um, which I'm a part of, and talking about the production and things that went on. Um, it was supposed to make it on to the DVD for the 4K, but it, it wasn't ready in time. So... Uh, the filmmaker told me it's going to be online and uh, soon, so I should actually find out from him when it, if it is online already. Um, so if people are really Dune fans, they can go back and listen to um, a lot of the behind-the-scenes filmmakers uh, who were a part of it, uh, you know, who worked on the production, to hear the side stories that nobody ever gets to hear. Yeah, so, yeah. it's great. Uh, you know, it for film buffs, that's always good fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really. love that stuff. I love it. So, I really do. Well, let's talk yeah. about this project now. You're, tell us about this documentary, and what what's the impetus behind it? Did someone encourage you, or did you just feel an inner nudge to make this documentary? Well, interestingly enough, um, after making uh, Stranger at the Pentagon short film and working with documentarians, um, uh, some of the producers on it are documentarians on Stranger. And uh, even before my book was released, I was being approached by companies to make it into a documentary. And then I got thinking, well, why would I want them to make it into a documentary when I could make it into the documentary I want it to be? And so I uh, put everything in motion and um, uh, brought on three documentarian uh, producers and post-production personnel, uh, all people I've worked with before, and uh, I, I wanted to do something different with the documentary. I didn't want the same, you know, the old normal players in every UFO doc that's out there. Is, uh, so what I did is I recruited uh, some of the actual contactees, uh, hybrids, um, uh, people who are in official positions, in the know about certain things um and so we're we are going to uh we've already uh shot all the interviews and we're editing those now 
And uh, I've already been slowly bringing the extraterrestrials to life through CGI, right, through computer-generated images. But now that I'm getting a little bit deeper into it and getting the quotes from, uh, you know, the CGI companies, it is way more expensive than I anticipated. Plus, it's very uh, time-consuming also to do. So I started a crowdfunding campaign um, for anyone that would love to help us with with uh, getting our CGI images. I did this when I did Stranger at the Pentagon, and of course all the star, star seeds were wonderful and came to our rescue and helped us get the budget. So I, I'm, I need to raise $10,000 already on the uh, campaign. It's just been out a few short weeks. We have, I think, 2,500 so far. And oh, you're doing um, great. You've got a, a yes. almost 25% of it so far. Yeah. And yes. if anybody wants to look into this, just Google Craig Cambabasso, um, GoFundMe, and you'll see it. Right. You'll find it. It's just, it's E.T. Right. Speaks right. Almanac, the documentary. It's basically the documentary of this wonderful book, which is so yes. fascinating. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be a whole different. Um, type of documentary is really sort of, it's going to be an extension of the book, hearing from the real people about these experiences with, with beings and that type of thing and getting to see imagery and uh, things come to life and all of that. So It'll sort of be like a you know the next generation of documentaries. So uh, if anyone would love to help us, we would welcome you know five bucks anything. And, you know if everybody donated five bucks, it'd, it'd get there quick. So or yeah. whatever whatever anybody can do if they're able to do it or to you know share it as much as possible on your uh, social media. So. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very exciting. I, I'm really excited about doing it. So, um, so I'm writing and, uh, producing and directing, and then we have our other three wonderful producers, um, uh, who, who have won all, all won, uh, multiple awards for their documentaries as well. Fantastic. You know, yeah. you have such amazing contacts and friends and um, filmmaking know-how, and it's it's going to be another winner. It's going to be another prize winner for you, I'm sure of that. And uh, Yes. Just, yeah. Yes. Really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then um, my, uh, my next MUFON book is going to come out next October. Um, oh. I don't have the title yet. We're still figuring it out, but of course it's, UFO based and it's really, really going to be cool. So I'll call you guys when that's ready and, uh, yes, and come definitely. back on the show. Yeah. Wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yes. I don't know if any of my co-hosts have a question, um, at all. Oh, uh, please. You know, yeah. I'm happy to open it up a bit. Um, our friend Rama, who is one of our co-hosts has been on, uh, 
I don't know. Have you been on a number of ships, Rama, or just basically the same one? <laughs> over and over. Um, I, I have been on numbers of ships. Yeah. He's lived Craig, an unusual yeah. life. <laughs> Craig, Craig, do you oh, remember? Yeah. Craig? Yes. This is Tara. Uh, you, you, rem- you remember us from when Marita Robert had you on our show. That's right. Of course. Tara. Just thought yeah. I'd like Refresh your memory, Craig, and uh, wow, you don't have a dull yeah. life, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just keep forging forward. And, you know, it's interesting because so many people are, are so interested in the subject matter now. And, um, I mean, in the early days, people would look at me cross-eyed and... Uh, that kind of thing, but now <laughs> everyone just has questions. <laughs> well, it's it's very helpful that the you know the X Files came out and then they rebooted just for just a few episodes, but um, yeah. that was helpful. And all the sci fi films are helpful, except they're not fiction; <laughs> they're real. Right. And all the different Star Trek spinoffs, etc., are very helpful. And then all this, you know, the Gaia dot com. Um, shows and the history channel yeah. show, all of it is uh, wonderful and the popularity of places such as Sedona like where you you know got a shot of that ship between the two huge ro- uh, mm-hmm. rocks so um, how long did you live there just three and a half years um yeah and I moved here to the central coast um but that was enough that it's an intense place it's I found it very intense energetically um, yeah. I would at night. I would feel that, uh, without fail. Um, I, I didn't see it with my physical eyes. I could see it inwardly. Uh, there was a reptilian who would just be standing, like almost like standing guard in a sense. Mm-hmm. Same place in my living room every night. <laughs> if I came out to get a drink of water or whatever, I could almost physically see him. Um, sometimes wow. the, the door to my bedroom would just open in the middle of the night or I'd wake up and it, it would be open when I remember closing it securely the night before a friend of mine saw she was staying in in my room and I was sleeping out in the um in the living room and she was visiting and the door opened one time she didn't open it it just <laughs> the bedroom door opened and then she saw a light come in and it just kind of zipped around and she's quite telepathic it's our friend uh, Sherry Bow she was just on the on the show um recently and she's an energy worker and she said who are you or what do you want or whatever and they said something just oh we're just we're just on our way out here you know we're just passing through kind of a thing <laughs> and then they wow. out the window and they were gone you know and i mean yeah. Sedona's full of stories like that and it just gets to be a bit much after a while <laughs> Well, it does because the energies are so intense and it really does sort of, um, it brings that veil down. I mean, the Bradshaw Ranch, for instance, did you ever uh, traipse way out into the middle of nowhere where it is? Have you, no. did you hear about it when you lived there? Well, I think it, it I've heard about it. I think I've heard about yeah. it, but uh, yeah. no, I didn't go there. Yeah, it was an old, uh, you know, they did a lot of old movie studios and things there, and Bob Bradshaw uh, bought it, and um, in around 1981, he was looking out uh, the ranch window in the middle of the day, and a craft came and just landed, and it freaked him out, 
um, <laughs> his his wife um, started having and seeing experiences. So she contacted uh, Tom Dongo, uh, who is uh, who has pretty much been there forever and has written many books about all the mysteries of Sedona. He's also a friend of mine and. Uh, he's another person I'm going to have you, uh, you need to get him on your show, but, uh, but just in a nutshell, the Bradshaw ranch there, there was the ranch, uh, which, you know, basically it was like a three bedroom house and that kind of thing. And then there was an old homestead where people from the twenties came and built and homesteaded the land. So, um, you know, so there were stories where, in the middle of the night, she would hear things. She would go outside, uh, Linda Bradshaw, the wife, and she would hear um, kissing, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, she'd go outside where she was, and there were reptilian footprints in yeah. the dirt. Yeah. And, um, and uh, they had several occasions of, grays walking right in front of their windows in the ranch in the middle of the night. Oh, nice. Um, just, you know, just so many stories. And when they would uh, videotape anything, or if they looked through the camera of their lens and took a picture, the uh, next dimension is what would be photographed, not what they were looking at. So they caught a dinosaur in a in a picture. They caught um, other things in pictures that were not part of their landscape. Wow! Yeah, amazing. I mean, just amazing stuff. So, um, but if you don't know where it is, it's it's a trace to get out there. So, yeah. there's yeah. a few locals that you know will take people out there. You know, to to around you know where you can walk the outer perimeter of the property. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the ships really do come and go, and I don't, I don't doubt it. One speck of that story. <laughs> I oh, one, yeah. one day, one day at Sedona, I heard this roar overhead, and it was a a fighter jet, you know, like a, I don't know, they call them F sixteen or something, and they never mm -hmm. went over. I, you knew the military were there, but I never heard a fighter jet go overhead. And I ran outside. It sounded like it was going to land on the roof. I ran outside and looked up, and he was zipping back and forth like he was um, tracking something. You, and I couldn't yeah. see what he was tracking, but back and forth, but you know, like a ping pong. And then he just yeah. got out of sight. And I thought, okay, that's not a maneuver. He, he, he was, he was following somebody. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I, I've been going since the very first harmonic convergence. And so all my various friends throughout the years wanted, you know, we did trips there because they wanted to go and experience it. And, uh, once I, I took one of my friends and her and I got up at three in the morning and uh, we decided to, we were going to drive way in the back of Boynton Canyon where Secret Canyon is because that's where a lot of the crafts are and we thought maybe we could see something. That's before they built that big resort, you know, to the left when you're driving down there. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, and of course, it's a little spooky because when you're back in Boynton Canyon, there are no lights. It's pitch black, and there's yeah. forest 
on the edge of the road. So you're yeah. you're not quite sure what's going to jump out at you. And um, and we as we started getting back there, all of a sudden a blue beam went across the car and I slammed on the brakes. I heard inside my head, if you go any further, your life will be forever altered. Oh. I, she heard the same exact words and I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, you know, that's all I needed to hear. Let's go back to the hotel. And I turned around. <laughs> Because I was like, you know, they, if they're going to give you that kind of warning, yeah, then they mean it, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that was a very uh, strange experience. But uh, yeah, that, yeah, was that was that in Boynton Canyon? Did you say? Yeah. So yeah. you know, when you know you, the when black you go, the black ops hang out there too. You know. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. And I heard isn't, I think there's a base back there from what I've heard as well. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you went back to the hotel. Very good thoughts. <laughs> Very good idea. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, I know, I know people who were brave back in those days who went out into the back of Boynton Canyon where that base is, way in the back, if you hike back there. They hiked back there in the middle of the night and camped. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, I would never do that. And no. I Me met neither. A, yeah. I no. met a guy when I brought my mom there. We were just sort of hanging on one of the low plateaus on Bell Rock. And, you know, uh, we had just had a nice meditation and we're just talking. And it was, the setting was beautiful. It was sunset. And. And a man uh, came up, and and we were talking to him, and he, he had a van, and he said, yeah, he said, I uh, I went and I spent the night in Boynton Canyon last night, and he saw uh, grays running around uh, back there. Um, and, I, and I was like, you're kidding me. And he's like, <laughs> no. He said, I literally saw them running around. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, I, I don't think I would feel safe in a van even. I know some other people that had that experience, so that's not something that somebody made up, Commander. Right, right. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know, I know. You have to be careful in, in that area in Sedona because um, I've heard stories of people who, if you go off the beaten path, uh, and you keep exploring, you may well find a, a man in, well, what is basically fatigues, but all black. Fatigues. And, all black, yeah. yeah all black, black yeah. and no insignia, no name tag or anything with a semi-automatic telling you get back on the path or I shoot. Um, so I heard that story early on, and I thought, I think I prefer not to go off the path. <laughs> At least not very right. far. Yeah. I would, right. but not at night and not very far. No, no. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, the normal hiking ranges if you if you go on Boynton Canyon. But you, you really can't get back there anymore because of the, uh, you know, they've got a guard gate there now for the, uh, 
that whole uh, golf course and all the big giant homes they built back there. So you yeah. really can't get back into Secret Canyon unless you say you want to go see the memorial of the girl. I can't remember what her name is. You have to know the name and they'll let you back and you can go up to this memorial. Um, but you can't drive back where you used to be able to sort of park and look out into all of secret Canyon. So, but, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot. Yeah. I just had a friend move there. And, uh, you know, I know I have lots of people that move in and out and move in and out. A lot of people say people move in and they usually, if they don't move out within three months, they, they might stay for three years because <laughs> so, of the energy and the, and just looking at the red rocks all the time, I yeah. think, uh, kind of gets to you. So, yeah. Oh, it's just, mm-hmm. it's stunningly beautiful. It's just a complex place energetically. I just found it complex. Yes. And certainly yes. interesting experiences. Um, <laughs> but again, Craig, let's just give this info again. Um, do you want to give people your um, your website in, information? And is there a link sure. there to the GoFundMe? Yes. yes, they can... Um... Uh, the, uh, if, if they want to see anything stranger at the Pentagon or get Dr. Frank's books, posters, whatever, or see the film at stranger at the If they want to get, uh, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga books, it's autobiography of an A N E T.com. Uh, you can also buy all four books with one click, either in hardcover or softcover. If people want, I, I sign them and autograph them. And if you want to get the E.T. Almanac, you also go to autobiography of an ET.com and click on other books. And that's where, uh, it will be there. And the GoFundMe is, I think if you just go to GoFundMe and type in Craig Campobasso or, uh, the E.T. Almanac, or if you go to my Facebook page, Craig Campobasso, I have it there on my wall, the uh, link. I may have sent it to you as well, um, so I don't know yes. if you have a way to post it. Uh, it is for on everyone. our show's page, your bio, and all of the information you sent us, it's it's on our show's page. You're our okay, so, <laughs> yes. So yeah. I think I put the GoFundMe link in there as well. Yes, indeed. And like I yeah. say, if anybody does a search for Craig Campobasso, uh, camp, like when you go camping, O, and then Basso, like base, and then O, um, Craig Campobasso, and then GoFundMe, and it will come up immediately. You'll see the link. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Yes, so, yes, yes. Uh, thank you so much, Craig. Really wonderful to have you back. And what a... Uh, an exciting project this is you know you're always reaching out to go a step further and give us more artistically and I think spiritually as well this is this is our cosmos this is our universe um nobody's going to keep us from getting to know it that's right <laughs> that's right this era we live in <laughs> and you're a, a wonderful help a wonderful guide that way so huge thanks oh, and um thank you yeah, I thank hope you guys so much 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, and now you've got three new guests for the future. I'll, I'll send you all their info. <laughs> Thank and you then so you got to come back again, too, Chris. Yeah. I will come yeah. back anytime you guys want me to. You just ask. <laughs> yes we can happy to <laughs> and you, you were so kind to come this week because originally I told Greg next week and then I but I got the dates mixed up and he was so yes. kind to jump on and I so appreciate it thank you so much yes I was I was so happy that my my uh, my family gathering was lunchtime and not dinner time so yes that worked my out my cousin had, had <laughs> flown in from afar so it was one of those things that i couldn't get out of but it all worked out so i'm very happy wonderful (laughs) thank you so much so yeah all right everyone thank you have a beautiful night yep thank you so much thank you Greg. good night yeah thank you to our co-hosts and um huge blessings on this 11 11 portal day to all of our listeners many thanks for being here and I guess um, TJ will be needing our outro music. And I know he's juggling a lot right now, so he may not have seen my message there in the chat. But music maestro, please. Oh, I ha- we have the song. Okay, music maestro. Yes, you can play the music. Ah, excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you again, everyone. Namaste. Namaste.